Good morning. Can you bear with me while I say hi to my sister-in-law in California? Hi, Heather. <laughs> she told me she was going to watch it online, so I have to say hi to her. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I thought that was kind of fun that she could say hi to me. Um, I'm Tricia. I'm the serve director here at Green Bay Community Church, and shockingly, after my debacle about asking for fresh fruits, they're letting me speak. So um, hopefully I won't screw it up too bad and they'll ask me back. And if you missed it, no, it's, an, it's an old story. Anyway, um, thank you for coming this morning. We're so excited to, to share this morning with you. And they asked me to come up and talk about Mary. And um, since I'm a mom, if you didn't know that, of four daughters, uh, I thought I could relate to Mary in some ways. So we're going to look at her life together this morning. I'm really excited about that. But before we do, um, as I began to study, I noticed that... Um, I'd like to set up her story, and I like to tell stories, so this is fun. So to set up her story, I don't know if you know this, but when you look in your Bible, and the Old Testament and the New Testament are divided, and there's, just, there's actually not even a page in there that divides it, and so we always think, well, I'll just flip to the next book, which would be Matthew. Malachi's the end of the Old Testament. Uh, Matthew's the beginning of the New, and we just think it just continues on, just nothing, there's no stop. And actually, there is a break in there. And so I think it's kind of important to the story because we understand the significance of Mary's story even more. And it was fun to study it because I learned more than I knew before, which was fun. So if you can bear with me, I don't want to miss anything, so I am going to read you a couple of things off of it. Um, it is called the intertestamental, intertestamental period. And it means that there was 400 years of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't know how many of you knew that. And during that time, during the 400 years, it's also a time of silence. And so God did not speak to the children of Israel during that time, which is kind of interesting because he had been all the way up till then through prophets, um, through the priests. And, and so they had a, con a continuous um, conversation with God. Well, now he's silent for 400 years. That's longer than our country's been... Um, in, in, I guess, I don't know what you would call that, in session. <laughs> That's the only word I can think of. Uh, alive, birth, whatever you want to call it. So when I think about that and I think of how impatient I am with God to answer my prayers, I think, oh my goodness, 400 years. I mean, we'd come and go four times before he'd even talk to us. So when you think about that, that's significant, that God was not speaking to the children of Israel. Also, um, there weren't any prophets during that time. It wasn't that, you know, they just didn't, that's what made them prophets was God talking to them. Um, Malachi was the last one. They grew accustomed to the way they were living, which was by the law, and they knew what the law was through um, priests and, and scribes, and so they knew what they were supposed to be doing, and they kind of just got into a routine, and then they lived that way for 400 years. Um, they didn't uh, worship just in the temple. Now they had synagogues all over. They also built synagogues. And they also lost the land during that time, which was fine because Rome was, um, was the power back then and, and they were in a time of peace. And so they felt like, well, we're figuring out how to live under the Roman rule and we're, we're fine. We're, they kind of established their own system within the Roman system and, and they were okay with it. They, they actually became kind of accustomed and, and I guess what I'm saying is it was kind of a, um, they, they got into autopilot 
instead of listening for what God was going to say. Um, and then that was also the time where there was a whole bunch of different um, religious leaders. So not only did they have the scribes and the priests, but they also had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they became kind of a, you'd think of them like the Supreme Court, like a religious Supreme Court of the time. So not only did they have the Romans, but they also had their own system of how things worked based on the law and what they had heard over those, you know, a couple thousand years. So... I guess what, what's important about that is that after 400 years of being silent, God sends his angel, Gabriel, and he breaks his silence. And he chooses to break his silence not through a priest or a scribe or a Pharisee. He decides to go and talk to two people, not just Mary. So if you read um, in the book of Luke, there's the story of Zechariah. Zechariah was the first one he broke the silence with. So he sends Gabriel, this angel. Now, Gabriel must be like the big wig because he's only sent down to a couple of people, as far as I can tell. Uh, this young girl, Mary, in case you didn't know that, and then also to Zechariah and then to Daniel, way back in the Old Testament. And so I was telling Troy, wow, they, I never really thought about angels not dying, but wow, they're old. I mean, they're, they've been around for a long time, maybe forever, I don't know. It was so hard for my mind to wrap around, I thought, okay, i got to stop thinking about it. So anyway, Gabriel's picked, he's like the big wig, he goes down and he appears to Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is old, and in a minute I'm going to ask a whole bunch of young girls to stand, but I won't ask all the old people to stand. But let's just say that, and, and old is, you know, well, now that I'm older, <laughs> I consider old, like, you know, old. <laughs> I don't want to define it at all. I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. So anyway, he appears. Now, the importance on Zachariah is that he's never had any kids, he and his wife. They're both older in age. And they haven't had any kids, and this angel appears to him first. And so he breaks his silence first with him. And, and the cool thing is that he tells him he's going to have a child. And Zechariah is going to actually have the baby, John the Baptist, who is going to announce Jesus when Jesus becomes older. Isn't that cool? So he tells him, you're going to have a baby. So he does the first miracle with him. Now, in that story, and it doesn't have a lot to do with, although I thought it was interesting, that his reaction to it, um, and it's in Luke 1, 11 to 20, is a, it's a great story to read because his reaction is, now, now, he's explained everything in this, in this little, okay, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to do this, and your wife is going to have this child even though she's been barren. And his reaction is, um, how can I be sure? I mean, hello, it's an angel. You know, I mean, I don't know. To me, I just feel like, how much more proof do you need? And instead he says, how can I be absolutely sure? And then the, Gabriel says to him, I'm Gabriel. Kind of like, hello, I'm Gabriel. And then he says, I stand in the presence of God. So he has to actually prove who he is. And then he says, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And then because he questioned it, he takes away his voice. The angel does. And he says, you won't speak until that baby's born. And so he actually comes out of this area. It's, it's, a, it's just he is allowed to go in there and hear this. Um, he's, he's burning incense for the children of Israel, and it's a, a real honor to be chosen for it. So when he goes in there, the angel appears to him in there. Well, he comes out of there, and everybody 
knows something must have happened to him, but he can't say anything. So he's trying to do hand motions and tell him what happened. And he can't say anything because, I don't know, that was very funny. But I thought to myself, I do that. I think I know God is calling me to do things, and I have that reaction sometimes. Instead of um, having a different reaction, I'll prove to me that this is what you're really telling me, instead of trusting him. So now, after that happens, now the angel Gabriel, now six months later, the angel Gabriel now appears to Mary. And he sends the angel, and it's to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, how many, um, I'm, I'm going to ask all the 13 to 15-year-old girls to stand. If there's any in the room, I know I have two. I, I planted and guaranteed two of my girls. But how many more in here? Thank you. Yes, please stand. If you're a girl, 13 to 15 years old. And, yeah, thank you. Okay, now don't sit down. I know I'm, I didn't prep you for this. And I won't ask you to tell me anything. But I want you to look around at these young ladies. There's another one back there, one right here. They're kind of all short. <laughs> it's cute. Um, and from up here, you all look even. So I'm, if I'm missing one of you, I'm sorry. Um, but don't sit down. So how many of you have dreams and plans for what you'd like to do? Maybe you thought about it. Yes, exactly. Like you, maybe you want to be a nurse. Haley wants to be a nurse. Um, or maybe you want to be a mom, or maybe an artist. You know, if you think of our singing, like I'd always like to do, someday I will. Um, well, Haley and I uh, met with her school counselor, and Troy, um, this past, oh, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago. And uh, we sat down and talked about, uh, which I'm sure you guys will probably do at some point here soon, and talked about classes that you could possibly take and what are your interests and your goals and your dreams and, you know, what would you like to be when you grow up and then kind of planning out what, do you want, what are the classes you should take and why should you take them. And then when you get on to college, what kind of class, classes should you look for and what do you want to do and all those things. Well, I know I remember when I was your age, I can remember this youth pastor coming into our lives as kids. Um, there was four of us in my family. And this youth pastor took us under his wing, and I remember feeling like, I want to be a youth pastor. And I just remember thinking from that young of an age that that is what I wanted to do and pursuing it. Well, Mary was no different than these girls standing up in this room. I mean, look at how young they are. And then this, this angel comes to her. Well, Mary was, had plans to be married by that time. Can you imagine that? So she, yeah, exactly, she's giggling. Um, to be married, so she was already pledged to a man. And if you're pledged to him, that means that that man would go and prepare a home for you in their parents' home. And so he's building it and preparing it, and you girls would just be waiting you would wait for Joseph to come back and get you. And then you would start your family. And so you are planning. I'm sure you've already thought about your wedding, and some of you. And what would your dress look like? And what will your bridesmaids wear? And what flowers will we have? I mean, we have Pinterest, for crying out loud. It tells you everything you could possibly need to do a wedding, right? Um, I know my girls have thought about it. And so here's Mary, who is waiting for Joseph to come back to her. And now this angel has appeared, and she 
now her whole world, all of her plans have been turned upside down. So we're going to look at the passage. You girls can sit down. Thank you. And as we look at the passage, I want you to keep these girls in mind. So if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and I'm sure somebody will hop up and grab Bibles and hand them out. Um, we have them in the back corner if you don't want to raise your hand. But if you do want one, raise your hand. Otherwise, uh, um, I have a picture that you can look at too here. Um, or, I'm sorry, I have the passage up here that you can look at. So let's take a look at this passage. It's Luke 1, 26, and this is where Mary is going to encounter the angel. And uh, here's what it says. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled. I can only imagine why she was greatly troubled. As a young girl, I think of my girls seeing an angel and having it talk to her, I think they'd be freaked out. Um, she was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So this girl is pretty special. God had his eye on her, and he had plans for her. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Now, when I read that, I think, wow, I forgot, actually, that he said all that. And in my mind, if I was a young girl, I would think, okay, Herod is king, He's actually going to come and become king. How is this going to work out? So I'm sure there had to be a little bit of fear there if she was starting to put it together. And then it says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, now Elizabeth is the wife of Zechariah, so he's telling her about Elizabeth and how he went and visited her. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Then Mary's response is so interesting. I mean, after hearing all of that, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me, to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I'm not sure if my girls would have said that. Um, and I'm not sure I would have. I mean, so don't feel guilty. Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. But when I think about that, I think, whoa, her response is so interesting because I'm not sure if that would have come out of my mouth. Um, so let's unpack that. What can we learn from Mary? What can I learn from Mary? I mean, that's how I had to look at it. What can I learn from her? I mean, different than Zechariah, who wanted proof, um, Mary asked the question, how can that be? She just wanted clarification. Uh, I think I would have had Zechariah's response and maybe even bucked it a little bit. But instead she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I love that because to me she's saying, when she says, I am the Lord's servant, she's really saying that my life is yours. She's saying to God, I had plans, 
um, I'm supposed to go marry this guy, Joseph. Maybe you didn't know that. And um, so I'm not quite sure what's going to happen here. You know, he doesn't guarantee, hey, don't worry about it. I've got it all worked out. It's all going to be really smooth and awesome, and I'll protect you, and it's no big deal. He just tells her exactly what's going to happen with Jesus and then says, and you're going to birth him. And she says, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. That's her instant response. And then she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. To me, that's saying, I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to submit to what you're asking me to do, and I'll do it. I'm yours. Do what you want with me. You know? I had plans, and actually, I think he might even be building a house. I'm not quite sure. And so, you know, he could show up tomorrow and want to start this life with me. But I'm going to answer with my life is yours. And sometimes I think we read Mary's story, and because um, of some of our background with being in Catholicism, we look at Mary as being this saint and this, this amazing woman, which in some ways she was. But in other ways, you have to remember, she's human, just like us. She's sinful. She needed a savior just as much as everyone else. And so when you think of it that way, you think, my goodness, she's just like us. What if we had been approached? You know, what if we were asked to do that? She didn't have any supernatural qualities. Don't you think she'd be, she was fearful? I mean, she says she's afraid. But wouldn't she be fearful after hearing the whole thing? I would be fearful. So I think God's even saying to her, let go of your fear. And this is what's going to happen. He's kind of asking her to submit to it. I mean, her fears could have been, and pretty instantaneous too, because she knew, being betrothed to Joseph, that Joseph could actually, when he finds out she's pregnant, could divorce her, could have her stoned at that time. I mean, it wasn't a simple, oh, she got pregnant and that's okay, we'll just raise the baby together, not a big deal. It was a big deal back then, a really big deal. So she knew the consequences, and probably those came to her pretty quickly. Like, th she thought of those things, and yet she wasn't um, fearful. She also uh, knew that it would disgrace Joseph, and so she still was not, she had to give up some of those fears and move forward. She had to let go of her fears. Now, what about her future? I mean, I said she was becoming a mom, I mean, becoming a wife, probably planning on having kids. I don't know how many, maybe six or eight or ten or I don't know, but the 20, there we go, 20, probably 20. <laughs> and when you think about that and now God's saying, hey, I'm going to turn everything upside down. I just flipped your whole life upside down and I'm asking you to be okay with it. Well, when I think about sometimes our future, we, we don't want to give those things up very easily. You know, I think about her growing up in a Jewish home. She was probably told that um, the Messiah was coming, that um, it would restore the kingdom of David, that um, she was probably putting it all together as she was pregnant, that, that, that this baby was going to do all these things and that she was going to actually be probably a participant or an observer of this, which is scary when you think about Herod being there and being the king 
And he was all powerful. I mean, he was crazy powerful. And so for her to think about, wow, this baby I'm having is going to come and, and in their minds, in their minds, they thought he was going to restore the kingdom. That would mean taking Herod out. Well, if you were thinking about your baby being born and knowing that they would do that, as a mom, there's something about that that is extremely fearful. You know, knowing that, oh my goodness, this isn't going to be a normal childhood. This isn't going to be a normal kid, period. And to know all that um, had to be really scary for her. And what we know now, um, even now as, as believers and having the Word of God and knowing that, um, when Jesus was only eight days old, that Herod, you know, was already putting out this, um, uh, like a command that all the babies be killed. She had to start, they had to start running for their lives at that young of an age. We know that. Well, if Mary had known that, back when the angel came to her, would she have been as willing? You know what I mean? I think of, uh, um, the fact that she lost Jesus in the temple. And I think, oh my goodness, as a mom, if I knew that was going to happen. She looked for him for three days. We lost Haley one time at, at a mall in California for about 12 minutes. And I thought I was going to die. I seriously thought, oh my goodness, my mind instantly as a mom, come on, how many of you moms have done that? Please don't let me be alone. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but I remember feeling like that overwhelming sense of, oh my goodness, we're not going to have our child anymore, and we're going to live with only three kids, because I have four girls. And, and it was a sincere, like this gut-wrenching. And I think about Mary being a mom who now her son says to her, don't you know I'm supposed to be in my father's house and teaching here? Because he, she found him in the temple. Three days later. Three days. So when Mary you know, has to give up what she thinks is going to be a normal life, and now she has to go through all of this. She had to let go of her fear. She had to let go of her future and just trust that God had something in store. Well, when I look at my own life, and I think about, because I, I read these stories, I'm sure you guys do too, and I know we're called to apply it to our lives. So for me, I'm very simple. I just think, okay, if I was Mary, what would that be like? I mean... When I think about fear and future and giving up and letting go of the fear in the future uh, that I know I have, I think about way back when God called Troy and I into ministry. And I remember um, sitting down with this awesome couple. They were, they were just uh, amazing. They, they were mentors to us. And Don and Noreen sat us down and they said to us, we had a home in California, just a little bitty one, but we loved it. And she said to us, are you ready to give this up? And I said to her, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're asking me. What are you saying? And she said, are you ready to give this up? And I'm like, I just don't understand. And she said, well, you're going into ministry. You understand that God might ask this of you. He, he probably will ask the house of you. And I said, why? Why would he do that? And she said, because he just might. Are you ready for that? And I remember that rocking Troy and I, especially me. Troy is much more of a, sure, we're ready. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm a mom. I have kids. I need a house. And I'm not ready to give this up yet. And so when I think about, I read this, 
this is where this story starts to all of a sudden filter through my own life. And I say, oh, I think I would have said, I'm yours and I'm ready. I mean, my goodness, we've been doing ministry for 20 years. So I think to myself, oh, I would have said that. But then I start to let it really affect my life. And I think, oh, maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't have. I remember saying to Noreen, no, no, I'm not giving it up. I'm not ready. I'm not giving that up. And she said, well, you know, he might ask you. You know, she just kept in our face, and, I, and it has always haunted me. And not only that, but all different. I mean, throughout my whole journey, I know I fear failure. I fear pain, feeling pain. I fear disappointing. I fear disappointing someone. And all those fears, I think I get it from my mom. She was such a worrier. But all those fears can paralyze you. And I look at Mary and I think, wow, she responded instant. It was an instantaneous, I am the Lord's servant. Do with me as you wish, is really what she was saying. And I, I, when I look at that, I think, oh my goodness, I don't know if I could have said that. When I think about this job and taking this job here at the church, I remember interviewing for it and... Uh, I remember initially saying, oh my gosh, I would love that job. That'd be an awesome job. I want that job. That'd be a great job. That is like ideal for me. I would love that job. Then I remember interviewing for it and thinking, oh no, I don't know if I want this job. What if I fail? What if I disappoint people? I know I'm going to disappoint them. I know I'm going to drop things. I could drop the ball. I mean, I could really drop the ball. I hope I don't, but I, I could. And so I think of all those things, that's my nature, is to just play it all out, see how I might disappoint, and then I sabotage so that I don't fail. And I think, wow, if I didn't say yes, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to serve with all of you over this last year. And yes, I disappointed. I'm sure some of you sitting here I've disappointed. And I've probably frustrated. But I've also had the opportunity for incredible ministry with some of you and watched some of you do things that are amazing. I mean, I, you inspire me. And it's amazing. So when I think of it that way, I think, wow, what if Mary had been paralyzed by the thought of birthing the king? I'm so glad she wasn't. I remember being pregnant with my girls, and this probably is m the most of how I see Mary and my relating to her. When I was growing up, Sherry, my sister, um, who is actually here at the church, Pete is her husband, in case you didn't make that connection, um, but Sherry's my sister, and that's why we ended up here in Green Bay. But growing up, Sherry, I have another older sister too, but Sherry, my younger sister, always played with babies and always wanted to be a mom. Like, if you had stood her up at 13 to 15 and said, what do you want to be? A mom. I want to have kids. I want to have kids. I want to have babies. I'll hold babies all day long. When babies come in the church, if you have a baby and you walk by Sherry, it's like a magnet. I mean, she's gone. I'm starting to get that way too, but she was always that way. And I remember thinking, nope, I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to be in youth ministry, which I did. But, man, when it came to being... I married him, and then, you know, it's only natural to talk about having kids, and so then we thought, well, maybe we should try and have 
kids, and I was already pregnant with Lauren. I didn't know I was, but I already was pregnant. And when I found out I was, I remember thinking, oh, what have I done? I don't want this. And I was so scared. I was so scared. And I mean, if you meet Lauren, how can you not like her? You know, if you meet Jackie, the same feeling. If you meet Haley, if you meet Allie, and yet I feared motherhood. I feared it. And I remember bringing her home. How many of you moms were like, okay, how come they're letting us take these kids home? Because there's hardly no training. You, you, they, they have you change maybe two diapers, and then they're like, okay, huh. we're getting in the car, and they're not coming with us. I mean, I had my mom, thank goodness, because honestly, that, that would have freaked me out, and it did. I can remember having her on the counter in the bathroom. I think I have a picture of it. And uh, Lauren, she's laying there, and, and I'm like, oh my goodness, how, how did we do that again? I mean, come on, it's a diaper. But I was so paralyzed by it. I was not ready for it. And I think, wow, what if God had given Mary the insight to what it was going to be like, that whole journey? I mean, imagine her journey. She, they ran for their life. She watched her son be rejected. She watched her son go through torture, through a horrible death, a horrible death. And as a mama, you just think, oh my goodness, I can't imagine watching my child. If the angel had told her you're going to watch your child go through all this, no way. There's no way. I, I don't know any mom that would say, oh, yeah, 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 me, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. None of us would. And when I think about me becoming a mom, and I look at my four girls, I mean, joy, 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 so much joy. But if God had told me how deeply I would feel with my kids, I feel their pain, I feel their heartache, I feel their joys, I feel them deeply. I, there's just something about being a mom, mama. That's what they call me, mama. M-O-M-M-A, that's how we spell it. <laughs> and, and the thought that, God, I might have missed that. I might have missed that. You know, when I think about missing all the sleepless nights, the laughter, oh my goodness, the dance parties, the, you know, I could go down the list. And when I think about that, and I go back to Mary, and I start to apply this what I've experienced as a mom, what Mary experienced. I'm sure she experienced lots of joy being married. We didn't read really about her after that. It's really like she birthed the baby, and then she was no longer mom, and then she watched him die. But there were all those years in between where she had all those things, and I think, oh, she could have missed that. How cool is that she got to do that? Sorry. I have to ask you, when you think about uh, your own life, what are the fears that you have? What is God calling you to? What's he putting in your life? It's super scary. But if you're like me, I play it all out. I, I play it all out and pretty bent to the negative. Like, okay, hey, this could happen, and, and this could happen, and what if this happens? Nope, I'm out. I'm out. Too risky. Can't do it. And I wonder for you, 
What is God calling you to? Maybe it's something in ministry. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something this Christmas season. Maybe God's calling you to reach out to a friend that you're afraid to do. What It could change your whole relationship if you share your faith. Your whole relationship. You could turn it upside down, kind of like Gabriel did. What is God calling you to that you're afraid of? Um, I could tell you a bunch of mine, but I'd rather you were thinking about your own. I know you know it. Uh, I think, you know, of so many people who have shared with Troy, um, things that God's calling you to that you're fearful of, and he'll share with me some of them. Or maybe it's something that you're not excited about it. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you're kind of going, yeah, I don't really want this one. Can we give this one back? Um, And I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean, I know that's painful. That's hard stuff. That's the stuff you don't really want to go through. And God says, hey, I'm going to be with you. My word is not void. I am with you. So what is your answer? Will it be, I am yours? That's kind of hard. Those are the hard ones where you kind of say, I don't know if I am. I just talked to a mom this week who said, I just found out I have breast cancer. She has two little kids. So is her reaction, it could be I'm going to fight it. Could it be that God is going to use that to turn our whole family around for his good? Yes, I believe that with my whole heart. We can see it in Mary's life. We needed a savior. Mary was the tool he used. You have to remember that she did not see Jesus before bending her knee. She didn't see that baby. She wasn't already in love with him. He told her, you're going to be pregnant, and her instant response was, I am yours. What will your response be? Uh, In a minute, we're going to go to communion. And communion here, I'm just going to explain it for a minute, just because we might have some people that don't normally attend. But communion here is just going to the table as individuals or as family, or you can grab friends, whatever you'd like to do. But we ask that you are professing believers in Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior. This is a time for you to take it and remember what Jesus did for you. But I'm asking a second thing to it, and that is to be reflective of what is God asking of you today. What is he putting on your heart? What's he tugging at today? And that you just answer that question and just take some time to be quiet. Molly and Bobby are going to sing a song that uh, I've been singing all week because for me it reminds me just so much, if you can reflect on the words, of um, what I think it was like for Mary, just what it was like for her when this all happened. So I'm going to read you the words really quick so that you get the idea. But it says, My life is yours. My hope is in you only. My heart you hold because you made the sinner holy. I think that's so beautiful. I think of Mary becoming the mother of Jesus. She was just a normal, average, sinful, little 13, 14, 15-year-old, and God chose to make her holy. How amazing is that? And that could be your story. It says, your glory is so beautiful. I fall on my knees in awe, and the heartbeat of my life is to worship in your light because your glory is so beautiful. She fell on her knee in awe that he would choose her. She fell on her knees because his glory is so beautiful. 
and she fell on her knees because he made the sinner holy. Father, I pray right now for this group here. I ask God that you would help us to respond like Mary did, saying our life is yours, and that I'll do what you're asking me to do. I ask this in your name, amen.